Welcome everybody to the Depths of Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. Today, we welcome Julia Phillips onto the show. Julia will be sharing her beautiful birth story, which was just a little over a year ago when she gave birth to her beautiful son, Bruce Lee. Now, me and Julia recorded this episode six weeks after she gave birth, but this recording vanished because my hard drive broke. And it was so, so painful because the story that she told, it was so raw. Yet, having this opportunity to meet again a year later was an absolute gift. We've created, cultivated a beautiful friendship from social media and it's just been beautiful to watch her blossom and to see how much support and love that she has and to see her beautiful little boy get bigger. Julia changed her life dramatically just before she became pregnant and she went to live off-grid in her RV. Now she had settled and she has started a homestead. She's still living in the RV, but she is remembering skills to become more self-sufficient. And she is going against the norm in the journey to decolonize her mind. So since we last spoke, Julia decided to set up her own website and she's sharing all of her insights and her journey to becoming an off-grid family. And it's absolutely fascinating. If you go to the show notes, then you can find everything you need to get in touch with Julia. I want to say a personal thank you to everyone that has bought my book, Reclaiming Circle. I am so surprised with how many people have purchased it. It blows my mind that there is a physical copy of my book going around the world, people reading my words. And it's frightening. For the part of me that doesn't want to be seen, don't want to put myself out there. But there's that other part of me that feels so deeply into the words that I wrote in that book. Reclaiming Circle really came from my years at holding women's circles, which has been 10 years now, nearly 11 years. And this book is all about remembering the red thread that runs through us, connecting us as daughters of the earth. And it is an invitation to call back circle. Now it seems like the most simple thing, but because we've moved so far away from sitting in circle, there can be some things from the mind that can block us from creating the space. So in this book, we explore the history. We look at ways of understanding what your community, what your tribe is asking for, how to engage in conscious communication, to be able to listen without fixing, to be able to hold space for uncomfortable situations if they arise, how to actually create a circle from letting the idea come through for a theme and holding the structure for that. I also go into ceremony and ritual, what they mean and how we can welcome them in and ways to sit with the ego whatever way that comes up that kind of creates a block from deeply being present and being in union with the women around you and a final addition to this book which I wasn't expecting was um, a medicine woman within and this is sharing different practices that you can incorporate in circle and that you can awaken in yourself to go deeper to connect to yourself beyond the mind and to meet yourself at that point where all the walls start to melt and you remember, you remember. <laughs> so they did sell out really quickly on my website. I've just ordered a new batch. So if you go to the website, you should be able to buy it from there. If not, just reach out and I can send you one. I feel like something is happening inside of me and I'm noticing it come through in the circles that I'm holding online and in person, this feeling that there is a bridge that's being crossed, that there's a moving away from the way of living that is familiar, 
And it's not one that is chosen. Something unexpected is coming through, spontaneous, waking us up. And there's this calling to, to rise up, to step up. And it's very interesting because I had already scheduled to do a gathering to focus on authentic expression. Now, authenticity is a real buzzword right now. So really going into what authenticity is helped me to meet myself more deeply because I admit I have used words like truth, belief, authenticity. I've used them because I felt like I knew the deeper root to them. But this is more, I believe, of a practice. It's, we can say, be true to yourself, be authentic. This is the best way. This is what humanity needs. But what does that really mean? And I think it is really more than words. It is the practice. How do you show up? So in the workshop, there is a recording. I'll attach the link below for all the members. And we really get into. All right, so what does authenticity mean? What does it not mean? What does it mean if you have emotions coming up that could potentially be harmful if they are played out in the world? Does that mean we ignore them? Does that mean that's not our authentic self? So in the conversation, we're really exploring how we can hold space for these emotions, for these thoughts, for these sensations to go beyond what is presented in itself to get to the roots. So it's not saying like, oh, go away. I don't want to hear you. You don't fit in line with what I believe of myself or what my values are. It's listening to them with deep love because they have so much wisdom. They have such a gem in them. And then waiting with patience. It's learning to hold that without running or moving away. It's really stepping into this strength and this courage to show up for everything. And I think that is actually the lesson, to stay, to observe. And Brené Brown talks a lot about this, actually. If you've ever gone into some of her work, it's like, have the courage, have the bravery to stay. And that is a skill in itself. So we go to the roots, what are our values? And when we get to our values, whose values are they? Where did they come from? Are they ours? Do we really believe them or are they our parents or the societies or your teacher? Get in there and being deeply curious. And then from that place, we have choices that we can make. We can question, well, is this really what I value in a relationship? It's the way that my relationship is unfolding. Is this connected to my beliefs around relationship? Am I showing up? And authenticity, which is in line with the values. So basically, authenticity is this connection between your internal values to the way that it is expressed in the world, to what you show to the outside world. Now, in the workshop, we go into, so does that mean if we bring vulnerability into this, that we show all of our cards? And no, I don't believe that it does. I believe that being vulnerable requires a sense of safety. And now there may be an actual sense of safety, but you can't share, you can't let your walls down, but you have something to work with there. And maybe you actually don't feel safe as there is a good reason for you not to share. And so then we can ask, well, what is that? And how can we go deeper into that? How can we potentially work on this situation? So it's very deep and we only just touched the surface. If you do the workshop, please send me some feedback because this is one of the deepest topics that we can ever get into. It's literally what we believe at the core. It's like the essence of who we are. So I'm going to leave it there because it sounds like I'm doing another workshop. But we do have many more coming up. So we're looking at doing two to three lives every month. They will be recorded and they will go into the live-in library. And if you click in the show notes, I'm going to leave a link to my app. So in my app, I'll be giving notifications when there's events, when I released a blog. Whatever it is, what I think you might find interest in, I'll try not to spam in there because we have a lot coming up next year, especially. This podcast, for example, is having one full season dedicated to the tribe of the mother. So there will be bite-sized 
our episodes, which will be recorded on video and placed together in a free resource for members so that the mother can direct her tribe to these episodes with incredible experts and advocates for undisturbed birth and parenting. Thank you so much for listening. Let's take a deep breath and shrug any unnecessary tension from our body. Let us feel ourselves become anchored to the earth but an openness and a lightness in the chest so we can find that space along the spine. Arriving here to witness Julia giving thanks for her journey, her beautiful son, for her insights from this experience. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. And yeah, it was so fresh last time. That's what I remember. But it'll be interesting, you know, now that he just turned one a couple of weeks ago. That's crazy. He would have only been like a few weeks old, right? Or was he like six weeks? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was like less than two months old. So today we get to witness this story. I get to witness you sharing this story again. And I am so grateful. I haven't sat down to record a birth story for so long and I love them. <laughs> I'm such a thing of hearing birth stories. So thank you. And um, as we get into this, um, I mean, before we get into this, before we get into your story, I would love to hear what is happening in your world because I know that you have made some big changes in your life. So we can start by hearing about that to how you used to live your life to how you're living your life today because the way that you exist in this world is very inspiring to me um i love seeing your posts and i i love to see how your little world is growing and evolving so please share thank you um yes so when um, I made this decision to change my lifestyle. I had been almost a decade into um, corporate ladder climbing at a really large winery. Um, and that was, I mean, I don't have any animosity towards my previous life, but it just wasn't aligned anymore as I got more into what I like to think of as exploring my wildish nature, right? And um being just more connected with the things that I value, um, self-sufficiency and nature and giving myself um, that experience. So I actually found out and took the pregnancy test two days before we moved into a camper and left um, to go travel. And so that was really exciting because we had been wanting the baby and it was like are we gonna stop trying to conceive because now we're selling everything and moving into an rv and it was like no because the whole idea is that this is a valid way to live life not that it's a vacation you know from life where you wouldn't want um to bring in a baby so i found that out and then i had the most amazing experience with my pregnancy um being able to just live in the national forest system along the west coast of the United States, um, traveling from like central California all the way up to northern Washington and then across to Montana, where I am now. So we were living in an RV and um, we still live in an RV. Uh, and moving every two weeks about to a different forest and exploring and hiking. And that was my prenatal care because I chose to have a pregnancy and a birth experience completely outside of the medical system. So all of my fears, all of my concerns, all of the things that you process when you're growing life, I just took that out into the forest and was able to meditate and, um, you know, put my feet in the water, which is so healing, you know, just to feel that life energy. And it was, I would, I mean, I feel really blessed that I was able to do that. So then like, how did you change? Because before you get into that, how did you actually have the wake up call? Where did that come into the story? Um, it came in with 2020. 
with everything that was going on because I had been asleep. I was just going to work, coming home, paying my mortgage. And I didn't really think that there was much of a way to escape from that. But then when everything was happening and I got sent, you know, to work from home, it was a weird blessing for me. And I know it was hard for so many people. And so sometimes I wrestle with guilt that this was actually really positive in my life that I was able to be home and actually for the first time in a decade, ask myself, what do I want? Who am I? What am I doing? Why am I doing this? And um, when I was sitting in my garden, that was what I wanted to be doing was growing food and medicine. I started getting into herbalism and I started realizing that like with my dirty fingers in the soil, that's what I wanted. And all that I really wanted was more trees around me and more space, you know, between me and my neighbors and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then another really wonderful piece of good fortune that I had was the housing market um, just exploding in California. So I was able to, you know, really um, have resources with which to, to start doing this. Oh, quite the trick. <laughs> and podcast helped. I did go down like a deep rabbit hole of like rewilding podcasts and free birth podcasts. And once you get you know, started, it's, like, you can't unsee what you've seen. It becomes like a knowing when you go down that path. And how is it now? Like how you're living in the RV? Have you settled? Have you put roots down in the space that you're at? Yes. So. I had originally thought that I was going to be nomadic at least for three years, but possibly forever because I was like so on board with it and it was so great. And then when I got into Montana, I was doing this little pregnancy photo shoot like naked in the forest. And then I sat down to meditate and I got this message from spirit that was don't leave Montana. And I came back and I told my partner, I said, you know, I just don't want to leave. And he was like, I don't either. I have the same message. And so um, we were just like, this is where we need to be. But it was September and the RV, we were like, well, what, like physically can we do this? Like, it's going to be winter. We're Californians. Like, are we going to survive in Montana? And you're going to have this baby in December. Um, so I was like, you know what? Like, you just don't ignore messages, like, right? So we started talking to people and um, met a really wonderful friend of ours at the farm stand in the town that we now live in. And she was like, oh, go up this direction towards this mountain. They're like, I really think that that's where you're going to find your place. And we found this perfect piece of land and um, just really then spent time asking everyone like, so how do we survive? What do we do? And so many people out here, it's amazing how many people live in campers in the woods year round out here. So and in sheds that you can buy from Lowe's or, you know, so many different options of how people make it work. Um. And so then, you know, we did that and I won't get into all of the details of it, but really like straw bale insulation, it's as easy as straw bale insulation and a wood stove. Um, that wood so we knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's on a beautiful right. display. I, I think I remember seeing it like in the Instagram post and I was like celebrating. I was like, she's going to be so cozy. <laughs> Well, and thank goodness it's up here too, because now that I have a one-year-old, I don't know what I would do if on the ground. Oh that's, yeah, attracting one-year-olds for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we have a beautiful property, um, 20 acres. Um, a, maybe half of it is flat enough to be used and the rest of it just goes straight up this gorgeous mountain and is so wonderful because I can continue this 
forest relationship that I've been developing right here. Um, And we're building a little homestead. The idea is to be as self-sufficient and prepared for anything as possible. So we're raising the animals, growing the garden, um, learning to preserve and can with an idea of really getting back to the ancestral roots of um, like in my mind, sort of the philosophy and the heart experience of the hunter gatherer. But we are doing an agricultural thing. So I'm trying to ride that line where I also introduce like foraging and uh, the natural world into this idea that, you know, I really do want to grow enough food to can and keep animals um so we're right on that really um interesting line that's incredible and it's so it is so inspiring and when you talk about this it awakens something inside of my own body because it's like a remembrance the excitement that you're expressing and that feeling that you had towards getting back to the forest is because that's how we used to live we were so close to nature and i think it is all the all the cells in our body saying yes, welcome home. Thank you for listening to the calling. <laughs> and then from that, as you connect to that truth within you, it ripples out and inspires others. So, even though social media can be a pain in the ass sometimes, it's also really amazing for bringing these skills back because we get inspired by seeing this. And I love how how you share and. The, the stories along with that and your journey because it is a journey and I think in this fast-paced world we're expected to have everything handed to us and given to us on a plate and the feeling of things not going quite right can really af- affect our mentality or our inspiration or motivation but it's like keep coming back again and again we're just remembering and it might not go smooth but you'll learn these lessons. I completely agree and I wrestle with myself with that instant gratification mindset because for so long it was like okay well you go to work and you try to get promotion so that you can pay to buy the things so that you can set it up on the weekend you know um and now i'm like okay we're not buying you know we're buying as little as we can and trying to make everything that we can ourselves so then these projects are so much lengthier but they're also like a deep spiritual experience to get it with your hands and to craft it and to make it and to think what do I have here that I can use so instead of thinking oh I need to go down to you know the hardware store or hop online and order this I'm like looking around and thinking okay can I make this what can I use or do I actually need it you know what's the way to get to where I need to go maybe without buying or you know any of your whole spiritual experience I've, I've said this recently it's like one of the most spiritual experiences of getting your hands back in the dirt again and like you just said uh you just put words to something I was like feeling inside it actually opens up a part of us that is so creative and that is just such a gift to humanity to tap into that curiosity and creativity again instead of everything being like here you go and this is perfect and that's it and then a part of our brain just like and go to sleep it's so sad so exactly I could talk to you all day about this and I hope one day that we will come back and you can come on and share everything that you've learned and inspire more people Today is your space to share about your birth story. So wherever you want to start from, however you want to go through the the story, jumping back and forth, or it's linear, whatever comes through, let this space hold you and love you and witness you. And what's your little boy's name as well? His name is Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee Wilson. <laughs> I love it. And he is named after Bruce Lee. <laughs> Yeah, like people are like, was that an accident? You're like, no, it was deliberate. <laughs> it absolutely was. His father is named Brandon Lee after Brandon or after Bruce Lee's son. And so he wanted to name his firstborn Bruce Lee. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so I guess we talked about my pregnancy a little bit and the decision to stay outside of the medical model for that. Um, and 
so we landed here in Montana and um, I kind of was of the mindset that I was definitely going to carry to 44 weeks or, you know, be the first woman to ever carry to 50 weeks or something. I was just like, this baby's definitely going to be in here forever. And um, so then this birth story is pretty much about what you can do if you are only mentally, spiritually, and physical body prepared, but not actually prepared in the physical reality world to give birth because he came at 38 weeks and um, we didn't have any clean towels. We didn't have any idea how we were going to tie off the cord. We didn't have a you know, waterproof pad. We didn't have anything. So I actually gave birth to him right where I'm sitting now on the converted those tables in the RVs that you can drop down into um, a bed. And in my mind, I was imagining like, because I didn't I don't know. And I don't believe all of the media that they show us about what birth is like. So I was just sort of like, but that's in my head. So I was imagining all of this gore and like, I'm going to need like all of these things to protect my uh, space. But in any case, um, so 38 weeks comes by and I'm taking a walk and I'm having a stop and like lean over and go like, oh, and like rotate my hips. I'm just like, this baby's heavy. I'm holding my belly up as I walk back into the RV. Um, and <laughs> my partner looks at me, he's like, are you in labor? And I'm like, I don't think so. Like it could be, you know, a while. And that happens for two days. And I'm kind of sort of leaking a little bit of fluids and still totally in denial, just thinking like, you know, that this isn't happening yet. But I go to bed after two days of that. And at about 1.30 in the morning, I just wake up in the most zen sort of almost like a semi out, outside of my consciousness feeling where I just feel like I rose out of bed and started lighting candles and making tea because my body just knew but in my mind I wasn't really thinking I'm in labor so I'm wandering around doing that in the middle of the night and then I start to get into it and I know that I need this table converted but I can't get it because I'm like you know giantly pregnant so I wake my partner up and I'm like hi I need you to you know put down the table but go ahead and go back to sleep afterward I'm just gonna stay out here for a while and he looks at me and he's like I am not going back to sleep so he starts doing all the things that we hadn't prepared like um you know he gets the propane tank changed out so that we can use the furnace and the stove and he um you know fills the water tank because we didn't even like our water tank was on ease you know because and so he's doing all of that while I'm in early labor and I'm just floating through the it's such a glorious experience, the beginning before it gets really real, you know, like um, and then the first real contraction hits. And I there's no way to explain it to someone who hasn't felt that power inside of you. Um, and I had told myself, you know, all of the things like surrender and open. And I had all of these beautiful written art that I had made that said like my body opens like a flower and all of this stuff and then I'm like <laughs> just like immediately all of that was outside of my ability to actually do but I'm sure that next time I'm still working on that because that is what I believe is possible <laughs> so I'm going through it um having these contractions and they're getting more intense. And so I'm just kind of able to move completely freely because I'm at home and I'm not going anywhere. So I don't have anyone timing me or monitoring me or any real information other than the fact that I'm just in my body. And for me, it was really nice because it was easy, except for in certain parts, but overall it was easy for me to embrace the experience of allowing my consciousness to drift off wherever it went to. Um, and so I'm trying to find different positions. I remember, you know, on my side was definitely not it. And I was like hanging, standing up from this lip of the um, pop out, you know, and um, trying to just find a comfortable position. And eventually 
through all of that, I remember Anina laying down on the ground next to the table just because I couldn't I couldn't make it work in the little bed. And I'm just laying there and I'm like, oh, and I'm like really begging the universe just for a short break. I'm just like, I don't know. And I'm thinking, is this going to be 50 hours of this? What do what am I going to do if it's 50 hours of this? And so I was laying there and I'm just like, oh, and then I look up and I see my bed and I'm like, gore, I don't care. I'm going into bed, going into my bed. (laughs) So I'm like, help me up. And I go over and I go in bed and I'm actually able to lay down and close my eyes in between contractions and get that rest. I don't know if it's 10 seconds at a time or maybe a couple minutes or however long, but every single time that the contraction subsides, I just close my eyes and get that really needed break, Um, which is great because I think when you're in labor, sometimes even 10 seconds, at least for me, if it had been only 10 seconds, I don't know how many seconds. So I just got the rest that was available to me. So I did that and I felt my body start taking over with the spontaneous pushing. So all of a sudden, I'd be laying down on my back with my eyes closed and the contraction would come and it would bring me into a sitting position and just bear down and then laying back and then up and bearing down. And it was dark out. It was so nice. I just had my candles and my incense and everything was so peaceful and there's no noise out here where we are like nothing at night. So it was just complete. It was almost like I was in my own little womb. I just thought it was that myself right now. Um, And so I do that for some amount of time. And during that time, um, I'm not thinking. My conscious brain is not analyzing anything. I'm just like so grateful for the rest. And then at a certain point, At a certain point, I just kind of snapped out of it. And I was like, I need to go to the bathroom. So I got up and and my consciousness just like snapped back in. I'm like, all right, I'm going to hobble over to the bathroom. So I go um, sit on on our composting toilet and just lean my head against the wall. And that is when I experienced a certain amount of fear. And actually, like my conscious brain was like, well, because... I had made this story up in my head that I needed to have felt him moving because there's some very, really cool things that people say that they feel that the baby rotates and picks and like that they're that you can feel them moving down the canal. And I didn't feel any. I didn't feel a single thing um, from him that I was able to register. It's possible that it was happening. Um, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I don't know. And one thing that when I, all of my fears throughout the pregnancy, every time that I was worried about something, it was always what I've now realized is being afraid of being ostracized by everyone if I'm wrong about what I'm doing, but not being able to actually fear a certain thing. Until I was fearing him not moving. But again, it was a fear of like, I didn't believe I was going to have a still birth. It wasn't like intuitively I knew that something was wrong. It was my brain saying, if you're wrong about this and you're already so far down this road, if you're wrong about this, everyone is going to turn on you and they are going to blame you. And it is that is going to, you know, be. And so that's the root of all of this year was just that because to be very honest whenever I actually tuned in I knew that everything was okay and I believe that we can know and my mom so my mom's a family practice physician and in talking to her there's a disconnect in her way of thinking versus mine where she really believes that you cannot know that it's going on inside your body, but it's like a mystery and that the only way to know is to access external data. And I just, I just don't 
connect with that because I felt for myself that really that I would that I would know and I would know if I needed to seek help. Um, so anyway, I was on the toilet and I was having this like really. Oh, my God. And I, it was it was, I think, maybe transition. That's what I've heard from other people's birth stories is that that's when you get, get your panic moment. So I'm kind of freaking out. And then my partner, best birth support. Oh, I'm so, so fortunate. He comes and he just like sits down in front of me and looks me in the eye and is like, all right, which mantra do you want to say? And so I picked two from my artwork that I had made. Um, and it was, I trust the process and I release control. And so we just sat there and over and over again, I trust the process. I trust the process. I release control. I release control. And at a certain point, I don't know how long we did that for, but at a certain point, I looked up over his shoulder and I saw that the sun had come. And there was like just gorgeous, like snow covered trees outside the window. And I was just like, oh, that's so pretty. And then I don't even know why, because I never thought that I would do this, but I reached up inside myself and I felt his head and that was the most glorious moment possibly of my life because I just felt this fresh energy just come into my body of like this is here this is now like I'm doing this and I was so excited so I got up off the toilet and I waddled back over to my little converted bed which is right under the window that I was looking at and um then I started to consciously push when the contractions would come because I was jazzed. I'm like, all right, I'm having this baby. I can feel him. He's right there. <laughs> and I had no concept of how far like still was from the uh, from the end. Because then I'm doing that and I'm pushing and pushing and he's he's coming down. And I actually think this was a good thing in the long run, but he came down and he stretched the opening and then he would retreat. And then come down and stretch it a little more. And in my mind, I'm like, no, baby, don't, don't go back up. You can't go back up. You have to come down. <laughs> I'm like trying so hard. But I really do think because I didn't have any tearing or anything. And I think that probably the just like few um, times that it stretched as much as it wanted. And then he came back. Um, and that part of the story really upsets my my mother by the way, like, so from a physician's perspective, that um, coming out and then being retracted back is like an upsetting thing. So if I had been in, in the hospital system. I don't, I don't really understand. I'm going to be mouthing on you. Why? <laughs> yeah. I'm a mute yeah, every moment. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, I don't, I thought it was the connections that would just took the sound out. Um. I think it's because of the whole failure failure to progress narrative. But that it, um, that's my own, but I don't really know because um, because it can be difficult for us to really converse um, in an effective way and understand each other. On my end, as much as on her end, it's just a really hard um, bridge to cross like, for us to really understand each other um but i do know that that's one of the parts of the story that um from a medical perspective is maybe can not i know but from my perspective it was great it was perfect it was exactly what i needed so i'm there and um pushing 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 and finally finally his head comes out and i'm so excited and my partners in between my legs at that point i had requested he didn't do this until I request. I had requested some information. Like, what do you see? Do you see anything? What's what's going on? And I'm flat on my back at this point, which I never thought because all this time I imagined myself like in the warrior pose, like, you know, um, or, or like in a squat. And I was going to be like this powerful, you know, like goddess statue giving birth. And I'm just like in the classic position flat on my back pushing but that's what I I didn't that was the comfortable position for me I don't know um and he had the nuchal hands he had the hand up by his head and I am I am thinking that this is why but I don't know because I always imagined that the head comes out and then you get relief from 
all of the, you know, what what I'm going to actually just say, like, really pain. Like, I mean, it was painful, the birth. I'm definitely willing to say that, even though I had hoped that I'd be like, no, it's just pressure. It's just really intense. But it was painful for me. Um, and and I didn't get any relief. That was the worst part was once his head was fully out, I think maybe because his hand was also out. But my partner tells me that then he grabbed his finger, that um, Bruce grabbed my partner's finger while he was still in there. And that's the best part of his life so far. Um, and I love that. And then he says, you know, don't worry, he's fine. His eyes are open. He grabbed my finger. And I'm like, oh, yay. But then I'm also like, oh, why does that so bad? What's and I'm trying to um and so then I tried to push without a contraction and that doesn't work um so didn't did not work at all so I just had to wait and then the next contraction came out and just amazing feeling um is their body coming out he came out all in one just right into his his father's hands and oh it was so amazing um and then he he put him on my chest and he was blue. Um, and so we put a, bl- um, a blanket over top of him and watched him and he started to pink up right away. And of course, I'm just like loving him, but sort of inspecting him and trying to make sure that every, you know, t- 10 toes, 10 fingers, all that stuff. Um, his little body up. And it was so, it was so great. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. So I'm just laying here um, and we, he didn't really want to nurse at first, he was kind of just chilling and he did pink up right away. So that was good. Um, and uh, so we had like maybe 45 minutes of just bliss and love cuddling on the couch or yeah, the converted bed. And then my uh, partner's like, OK, let's talk about the placenta because that was his jobs. So during the birth, his jobs were make sure that I always have water which he did a wonderful job at. Um, and then remind me about the placenta and help me with the monitor if I need them. So those were the three things that we had gone over that he could really do. Um, so then the placenta and um, I was like, all right, let's do it. Got a bowl. And I couldn't do it at 45 minutes. I just wasn't really ready. So I'm like, all right, I'll try that again later. And probably about two hours goes by with me trying just a couple times, but just sort of thinking it's going to happen. Um, and then and then our neighbors show up to help us with a project that we had asked for help with. And um, we had just moved here. So now there are really good friends. But at that point, I had only seen um, the the wife asked uh, so it's it's a husband and wife, our neighbors, and they're um I had only met Taylor one time through a car. Like, you know, we stopped, rolled down the window, like, hi, nice to meet you. And then there they are. And so Brandon looks at me and he's like, I really want to get this foundation moved. And we are, you know, completely off grid. We don't have a lot of like practical ways for me to say like I could have said no but it was like we were just barely starting to set up this life and I are all of our important stuff is under this easy up that's like covered in snow and like crunching down and like dying so I really did want to let him get the foundation move so he could build a shed so I'm like okay all right go out and do that and um so I'm here with the with the newborn and he hasn't he hasn't nursed yet and the placenta is still in and taylor is sitting in a chair next to the bed and we're just like hey so how's it going i just had a baby what's new with you (laughs) and and this is just kind of how montana is like it's so funny like people it's actually really nice and it goes along with the lifestyle that i want but people still just show up at your house and say like, hey, you know, what's going on? I was in the neighborhood <laughs> and I, I love that, but it was so, it, so anyway, um, I, at one point, they, and the guys were out there moving the shed and, uh, or the foundation for the shed. And I was like, I have to get, I started to get the crampy ceiling and like the, the actual physical need to get the placenta out, which I was glad for because, um, 
hadn't had it up to that point. And so I actually had Taylor hold Bruce. And so I could try to like position myself under uh, or over the bowl and try to get it out. And um, but with someone watching me, especially someone that I didn't know, there was no way I was not going to be able to get it out. Um, so then I stopped trying that and I was just like, oh, OK, maybe we'll try nursing. And he still wasn't really into that. So then I started to feel this kind of weight of these two big things like I had had my baby and it was this glorious moment. And now I wasn't done. And I was starting to kind of feel a little bit of pressure about that. But I was thinking to myself, like, there is no way. And I like had these these things that people say, like, oh, my my cervix is probably closing and it's going to close the placenta in and then I'm going to have to have surgery and all of this stuff. And then I just kind of said, like, come like, no. Like you've gotten this far, you've done all of this. That is not going to happen. You're going to get your placenta out. Just relax. Everything's fine. And I had to talk myself through that and think back to a few things that I've heard experts say, because luckily I was able to get some information about the placenta before um, giving birth, just as part of the research that I did. And um, to understand that sometimes you do have to work at it a little bit. So I was just telling myself, like, I've heard that sometimes you have to work at it. So uh, when Brandon got back, um, I said to him, I was like, we got to cut the cord so that I can just really focus on this placenta. Um, because, like, I don't have any experience with babies. So I was struggling with trying to hold him and get over the bowl and put the traction on the cord and all of that stuff. Um, so we decided to cut the cord, but we didn't have anything prepared for that. I was going to get a cord clamp off of the internet and I didn't do it. So I was like, okay, well, what do we have? Like yarns got dye in it, the yarns that we had. And we were like, uh, like this is kind of, you know, and then we were just going through over anything that we could use. And Charlie and Taylor, they were like, well, you know, I have a brand new pair of shoelaces back at the house. And we were like, they're probably pretty clean, you know. Um, there's dyes in that too. But at that point, we just needed something. So we sent them back and they got their new shoelaces and brought it over. And we tied off his cord with a shoelace and cut it. And... uh <laughs> I was like, so this is why, like, you don't have to actually be prepared. You'll figure it out. Nothing happens without enough time for you to, you know, make something happen. You know, we're using our our bath towels and a shoe with these. <laughs> um, so, so we cut the cord, and then, and I'm like, okay, going in the bathroom, and I'm not coming up until the placenta comes out. So I went into the bathroom, and I just. Um, for me, the the thanking the placenta and the relaxing didn't it didn't have enough for me. Like I had to I had to pull pretty hard on the cord to the point where I would like pull and I would feel it kind of start to move, and then I would get a little nervous and I'd let go again and I'd let it like kind of go, and then I'd pull again, and then eventually, slowly just felt her come down and sit right at the opening and then I was able to actually and it's amazing that it's true what people say that you give birth to it because I pushed and I felt this surprisingly large like amazing looking organ I mean they're so cool I was looking at it like whoa you know um and um the the placenta appeared to be intact to me it looked beautiful it had the the tree of life kind of design of the veins on it and um i was i was so excited about that thing and i thought i was gonna eat it but then um because i had i had peed in the bowl at one point while i was trying to push it out and then i was just so excited and i wanted to go nurse my baby and i was tired at that point it had been actually six hours since the birth when this placenta finally actually came out and um, so I just plopped it in the bowl on top of it. And I was like, I'm not going to eat it. I'm just going to put it in the bowl and put it in the freezer. And then actually on his first birthday, we just went out and buried it um, at this place that I found on the land that I'm going to make my earth altar. And 
um, a place to meditate where like it's very um, it's it's the most secluded place that I can find that's also accessible from like the home site fairly well. So anyway, so we buried the placenta and that was a beautiful experience to do. Um, so back to when it actually came out. So that was that was great. The birthing the placenta was amazing. And I think I'm just going to jump forward right now to um, when I was in my recovery, I was doing hot compresses to just kind of and something came out that might have been a giant blood clot but it also might have been a little tiny bit of like it looked like when I saw it I was like is that a little bit of placenta that came out and then I was a little bit worried I'm like oh no is it partially still up there blah 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 and I had to process like what am I going to do about that and then I came to the conclusion actually that um it came out so I'm fine it's coming out doing the right thing i just continued the warm compresses and never did anything else about it and i am completely healthy everything was fine but i just think for some people because it freaked me out to see this big meaty chunk of something come out after you know a couple days um so so yeah so the placenta was then out and um i went back and um bruce eventually did nurse it took him it was it was after the placenta came out that he really, because I didn't really realize that he hadn't properly latched, but Brandon actually helped me get him kind of lined up. And then, and then when you, when you feel it, you know, and then, you know, like he was really actually latched on at that point. Um, so once he was fully latched, Brandon went and got us a pizza and, um, yeah, I just laid here and ate pizza and then eventually I took a shower and went to bed and, it was just peaceful and beautiful. Um, How does it feel to think if there's a like a year later? Do you notice in yourself that you've changed the way that you've perceived it or the reflections that have come through over this past year? I think so. For me, I feel like I'm seeing it from a bit of um, a broader perspective, whereas last time every single detail was so fresh that I was really, um, I think, thinking more and telling more of the um, the small parts of the journey of the birth, whereas now I'm thinking more about, you know, my recovery. While I'm telling the story, I'm thinking about my recovery and I'm thinking about, you know, all of the aspects as a whole. <laughs> It's, it's actually so beautiful because I remember the story and, and I, you know, like I can't put words onto it, but I can definitely feel the difference in the way that you're showing up to share your story now. And both are beautiful in their own way. And it's so interesting because I remember the part where your neighbor came in. And so now to hear that the friends of yours and like how this journey has how your relationship has evolved I just think it's incredible I think we were destined to be best friends because you know she's the first person that held my baby besides me wow isn't it so you know as well when you were talking about um the transition stage is it's it's called more commonly known as um I did an interview with Rachel Reed and she, you know, who who wrote um, Reclaiming Birth as a Rite of Passage? She has a book. And when I interviewed her, something really came through about that transition stage of waking up and being more conscious of being like, and then the fears can come through. And that's a really um, important part of the whole journey to kind of sit with and listen to stories around that time. Because I hadn't. And when it happened to me, I was like, something's wrong. And I didn't know about this point called transition or this where you become more conscious. And she also spoke about the baby moving up and down as a way to protect you from from tearing. And I remember I was talking about screaming like really high pitched and then really low. And someone said to me, because I had to go to the hospital, they said, stop doing that you're you're not going to be able to get enough oxygen to your baby but what Rachel said to me was this is a way of sending the energy up as you scream high and then your your voice will go low as the energy can go um down and your baby um descends and it's kind of that movement of the baby up and down the birth canal to protect you and to prepare your to 
protect and prepare you from tearing. It's very interesting that she was able to um, shed some light on why that happens. Um, but also, like, to say to someone that you're, they're not going to be able to get enough oxygen to their baby, that's chilling. That, like, is terrifying. Isn't it, just To be told something like that. Yeah, it's like, here, listen to what I'm about to tell you so I can put some fear into you and I can have control over your experience. It's mental. Is there anything yeah. else to come through? Well, I would like to talk about postpartum a little bit. So 40 days of the mother not having obligatory responsibilities outside of the newborn is the way that I think about it. Because what I what I was learning and what I did for myself was like 40 days of absolutely nothing. Like I'm not going to wash a dish. I'm not going to cook anything. I'm not going to do anything. And for me, like, I think it's wonderful to plan for that so that you have the space for that. But why I've changed my wording to, um, you know, no obligatory responsibilities is because I myself prison of not allowing myself to do anything. And I was all right. Like after three, I feel like two weeks, I was physically, I felt like I could do things without any you know um residual pain or without any like weird fumings or um too much and i'm not saying that then you should go out and do everything you normally would but i had a wonderful partner who was trying so hard to nourish me with bone broth and help me with it but i was like if i have to eat another bowl of bone broth right now like oh my god like please no and that was what he could do and he was providing for me and it's so nourishing that I'm really really grateful and really blessed to have that and you know bone broth for two out of three meals a day for six weeks I mean you could do a lot worse but if I had allowed myself to make myself something that I felt like eating I think I physically would have been okay and I probably would have been better off rather than laying there like oh my god he's heating up more bone broth and I don't know what I'm gonna do so, um, so I think that like what I really am trying to say and what I want to say to people is starving out that 40 days is great, but don't make it that that's a responsibility to do nothing. And just like I at one point I was like, I think my legs are atrophying. Like I couldn't just let myself, you know, like do think it's it's fine and it's better that way than having all your responsibilities. Um, you know, for because I I know my mom's story with me. She was back at work within a couple of weeks, and um, her recovery was a lot harder. You know, I don't have any um negative thing to say really about how it was recovering. The recovery was very nice because I laid in bed, you know, and really just let my body physically heal. Um, but about that time would was fine for that birth but next birth I'm definitely going to still carve out the same 40 days I'm just going to give myself a little bit more leniency um because I think I think it was fear I think I was like if I don't spend six weeks in bed then I'm gonna have you know a prolapse or something like that. and that's just not what my reality was um but I had a nourishing and lovely and wonderful postpartum and it was it was great uh I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm I'm also so grateful for you sharing that part of your journey because I think with anything, as we're remembering skills, as we're tuning back into our intuition and we're learning from people, especially online, there's a lot thrown at us of what it should look like, what it must look like. And then there's the other side of that. If I don't do it, then am I doing something wrong? Am I going to damage myself? Like, am I going to the future generations but then we have to remember like you just said if you take the time to slow down and your your body is telling you hey eat something different or move your body this way or whatever it is telling you listen to that because there's something in it like you we are the wisest people for ourselves when it comes to it and I think if for anyone listening whether they're the mother or the the tribe of the mother Listen, listen to that because that's the greatest gift in say, instead of um, offering shoulds or musts because then it's just disconnecting the mother from her intuition, from her body. And that I think is, in, in my 
my heart, if I if I could bring anything into the world, if I could remind people is to listen to ourselves, how to learn the language of our body. Because even just listening, sometimes we can hear many things, but there's that feeling, right, that you can't quite put into words. It's like a knowing of something is needed or something um, isn't needed, like the opposite end of the spectrum. There's just a feeling inside of you and like hold on to that because it's such a gift to be able to recognize that sensation from the body or that's then them words from the body to say this is what's going to nourish you right now or this is going to deplete you away from any book or what anyone's told you and and I think from listening to your story it's a beautiful reminder that going through these experiences even if they don't uh, unfold the way that we thought they would or the way that we planned we get some beautiful messages from that that we take on and as we share our story like as I listen to you you've put words to some thoughts or feelings that I had that I didn't hadn't had words for so through sharing our stories we get to know ourselves a little bit better and have more trust for our journey so thank you so so much truly I've loved to I've loved listening to this story again, and it seems it's so familiar, but it's so different at the same time. Well, thank you for allowing me to come back and share. And I completely agree. There is something so powerful about listening to women's stories and birth stories and um, all of the work that you do having your guests on. I just love I love what you're doing and it's so valuable. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? They want to be inspired about getting back into nature and rekindling that relationship. So I'm on Instagram at Big Mountain Homestead. And then I also have a website, bigmountainhomestead.com, where I am doing some blogging. And um, I'm hoping that that's going to grow into something really interesting and a little more dynamic in the future. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm sending you and your family so much love. It's been incredible to sit with you for this hour. Thank you.